What's up, everyone? I'm Doug Kide. Welcome to Pat's Chat. Michael F. Hurley, you're here with me as always. How are you doing on this fine Sunday night? I'm doing lovely. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I was wait, another, wait. Yeah. Um, a couple weeks ago, we, we differentiated between Mike McDaniel doing well and doing good. So it's good you're doing well. Are you also doing good? Have you done any good lately? Um, I don't know. I've been like nice to my kids, I guess. Is that mm -hmm. doing good? Yeah, you're making the world a better place. Yeah, you're sowing the go. seeds of kindness. Good yeah, job. I'm doing well, and I'm doing good. Are you doing well and good? Mm, <laughs> let's move on. I'm All asking right. the questions about doing good around here. <laughs> so the Patriots won. Um, you were right. The vibes were good this week. You, uh, <laughs> yeah, the vibes were rocking down at Gillette. Yeah, the vibes. I wasn't there, but you were there. Uh, it was... I don't know if there's like something weird with TV broadcasts this year or if everyone's kind of copying Amazon, but I feel like all the crowd noise on TV this year is just like a low buzz. You don't really hear anything. doesn't sound like there's no. a lot of crowd noise, but it also seemed like there wasn't a lot of excitement from most of that game today from the crowd. Yeah, I don't think they were muting any crowd noise. I don't think there was any crowd noise to mute. It was just kind of a weird vibe down there and... You know, it was New Year's Day. It was 50 degrees out. I think I forgot about spirits. that earlier. I, I looked at the date all of a sudden on a tweet. I was like, wow, it's January 1st, huh? It's New yeah. Year's Day. How about that? Who knew? Weird. Who, knew? Yeah. Who, who could have known? I think the football on New Year's Eve, we're still not used to that. So it throws yeah. everything off. But um, it was quiet and for good reason after that touchdown drive, which it wasn't exactly inspiring when you get a third down incompletion uh, pass interference. Uh, and then you get a third down. I, I'd have to rewatch the defensive holding call that, that kept the drive alive in the red zone. Uh, when it was second and two, and they throw to the end zone incomplete. And third and two, they throw in the end zone incomplete and eventually score on their fifth try in the red zone. Uh, and then just go four punts in an end of half drive after that. Uh, the vibes the vibes were not rocking. I was being sarcastic. The vibes were low. Know. There was booze. Aaron, Aaron was Ferris here says the vibes were immaculate. Fair enough, maybe at the end, uh, but from drives two through six of the Patriots' uh, offense not functioning, it was the vibes were low. But, uh, Doug, I'll tell you what, not to make too big of a deal of it like we used to do when they were a championship team and everything, but 89-yard touchdown drive to make it a two-score game in the final minutes, like, that's, that's pretty good. Got to give it to them. Yeah, there were some pretty good things that happened during that game. Let's start off early in the game. With the uh, with the forward progress call, hell yeah! This isn't like the Oak. See the the <laughs> Vegas game. We were like, let's put the touchdown off until later because you know they lost and you got to do right. Anything. But they won. Let's do it. It 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 was nice to get the weirdness out of the way immediately, and I feel like by doing that, the Patriots actually were able to win this game rather than lose this game. If that call had happened late in the game, who You're knows right. what would have happened? Mm -hmm. But like. I don't think this is the case, <laughs> but after last week with Ramondre Stevenson fumbling, when you could pretty, like, there's a good case to be made that his forward progress was stopped on that play. Fair maybe enough. it was, maybe yeah. it wasn't. But You've after seen last it whistle week, dead plenty of times. That's Right, weird. but after last week when that happened, like, and how clearly this time Raheem Mostert's forward progress was not stopped, like, you could have made the case that, that the officials were trolling the Patriots on that play. Like, very clear fumble, Patriots recover it, then the officials come on and are like, no, it wasn't a fumble. 
his forward progress was stopped. I, I don't think we can like show the clip on here because we'd probably get like banned from YouTube or whatever it was. But like if you missed it, if you forgot what happened, whatever it was, Juwan Bentley hit Raheem Mostert and then Jabril Peppers immediately came in, hit him again, and the ball popped out. Well, let me add if, a little bit to that. Uh, between yes. the Bentley hit and the Peppers hit, Mostert was progressing forward. He took another step at least, yes. Yeah, it, was, it was forward progress. Um, between hits one and two, um, not like yardage, not like, but like a couple nope. feet. So he went from, from like, say, I don't know what you're the 39 yard line to the 39 and a half yard line in yep. between hits. And as soon as peppers hit him, the ball came out. So yes. there had the forward progress had actually never once stopped. No, I like, I, I legitimately think that whichever official or officials, ruled for like, who yeah sarah thomas whoever it was like ruled that forward progress was stopped i like they cannot have been looking at the play you cannot possibly yeah. make the case that his forward progress was stopped or they were trolling the patriots like those are the only two possibilities there i i cannot I, believe that someone would watch that play and think the forward progress was stopped. i think you see it sometimes in hockey which i know you're a big hockey guy oh yeah um just in hockey, they call it when you don't have an on-time start, when you play a crappy first period, um, when basically you don't show up when the game starts. I feel like the officiating crew, um, especially that side of the field, had uh, they did not have an on-time start because three plays later, Tyreek Hill caught the ball in bounds with two feet in, and they ruled at that, and then Sarah Thomas came up from 40 yards away and said, no, 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 I, I, he didn't have... And then the, the deep official was like, okay, I guess, out of bounds. And Mike McDaniel, if you watch the replay, is literally like right there and doesn't challenge it for some reason. Yeah. And then when the Patriots get the ball, Tyquan Thornton does the same exact thing. It's ruled to catch this time. McDaniel challenges. It's, it's upheld, which I think was the right call. I, I don't know why Hills was overturned. It was kind of a big play. I missed Mike McDaniel's press conference. I wanted to ask him how much thought went into challenging that because mm-hmm. it was a pretty big gain on a, a drive that ended in a punt. So... Um, I would I would lean toward I love the idea of the officials trolling the Patriots. I, well, think I don't that think it's, is, it's true, but like that, no, I the love first it thing though. That came to mind, yeah. But I, I just think it's like most fan bases feel the officials are out to screw them. Like probably every single fan base yeah. in the league, um, except for like I don't know, like the Texans are probably like whatever. We don't matter. <laughs> there's um, no way. <laughs> yeah, there's no way there's a conspiracy. We're that bad. Us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, why um, would anyone care? Maybe the Cardinals too, uh, just in general. But no, so so I, I understand that. But my biggest thing is, Doug, uh, you watch a lot of NFL football. I watch a lot of NFL yeah. football. You watch, I don't know, twelve to sixteen hours a week of it every single week for four months, and we don't know the rules. We don't know the rules. And, and apparently, you're going to get to this. But Gene Steratour informing everyone that apparently that's a reviewable, challengeable play, which is new. Which did you know? I didn't know. No. And like, even like one of my, one of my smartest friends, no Me. offense. It's not, it's not you. I like, you're sure you're one of, I don't have that many friends. So I guess like, this happens would... to be on my desk. It's my college transcript. Okay. Oh, wow. All those well, classes. See that? It's weird thing to have on your desk, but I got one of my of smartest friends is, is one Bill Barnwell of ESPN. Uh, okay, com. Yeah, he's, he's pretty smart. He's pretty smart. He deals with a lot of numbers. Um, and he, was tweeting that it was odd that the announcer crew, that the broadcasting crew like made it seem like that was something that Bill Belichick could challenge because even he did not think even Bill Barnwell, one of my smartest friends did not think that that was something that the Patriots 
could challenge. But Gene Steratore almost immediately tweeted that it was something that the Patriots could have challenged. Um, and I do take some issue with his wording on this tweet. I had every intention of screenshotting this and having it on screen. I did not do that. Uh, but he said progress was ruled too quickly. So that's the wording I have an issue with. Okay. He, he believes that forward progress was ruled too quickly. Uh, yes. I, I think that if like, if that's the definition that you would use for this blown call, then like, then uh, like forward progress was called too quickly on nothing or everything like that. That's, that's not a way to correct this call. Like forward progress was not ruled too quickly forward progress. Like forward progress was never stopped as you mentioned earlier. So like, I don't think that's a fair, I know that officials don't like criticizing other officials, but like an accurate way of describing that play was forward progress, never stopped comma. And then you continue on your sentence. Well, I mean, it was stopped eventually, like after he fumbled, long after he fumbled and like the ball was recovered and everyone wanted to know. But I went to Football Zebras, uh, which is a pretty good cool site. Hold on. Let, let me continue. So the, then he said, okay, sorry. But, this, but this specific instance is reviewable. Since the ball came loose following immediate contact and there was a clear recovery, I believe replay would have overturned and awarded the ball to New England. Um, so apparently the new rule is that like if the ball comes out on immediate contact, then you can review it. But as people have mentioned on Twitter, Bill Belichick was standing on the sideline screaming at the officials with a red challenge flag in his hand. So you would think that those officials that he was screaming at were telling him you can't challenge this. Because if they weren't telling him that, I then he probably so. would have thrown the challenge flag on the field. Uh, I should ask him in the morning. I'm sure he won't share. I was, I was kind but... of cursing the the reporters who were at Gillette Stadium for not asking that question, but it was three hours. It was it was like four hours ago at that point. It wasn't that important of a play. It's probably not worth discussing for ten minutes, but it's yeah. it's fascinating to me. Well, um, I would add this, Doug, yes. from the football yeah. zebras. It says new this season. The this Zs. is reviewable. This is reviewable, but because there are multiple elements, it cannot be handled in an expedited replay situation where the replay booth makes an automatic correction that can be quickly applied, which to me is stupid uh, because if clearly like. They screwed up. Like, there's right. no doubt. There should be a way to buzz down and be like, yeah, listen, that was a fumble. You screwed up. Move on. Um, the fact that you have expedited replay, but it, it's maybe because there was the recovery aspect had to be reviewed. You can't yeah. do that in 20 seconds. But Dietrich Wise very clearly came out of yes. the ground with the with the ball. Football Zebras did fix that. They, they originally said oh, apparently it was covered by the Dolphins, but that's now crossed out. But the point is, um, you think you know the NFL. You think you know the rules. And you don't. So I don't know. Uh, we usually focus on what is a catch, but this time we focused on what is forward progress. And that was the worst. Uh, though there was a case, you might remember this 2016. Uh, it was a Monday night game against Baltimore. Okay, this just popped in my mind. Okay. Um, Trey Flowers, who was one of my favorite players to watch when he was with the Patriots, he was awesome. He came flying through the Baltimore line. And Flacco was the quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. Must have been, right? And it's literally just a quarterback drop back, and it was a strip sack. And Trey mm -hmm. Flowers had a strip sack, and the Patriots recovered. And freaking uh, Ed Hockley comes and says that the runner's forward progress was stopped before the ball came out. It's third down or whatever. I do Baltimore. It's that. like, 
I remember, like, you know how the Super Bowl setup is in, like, the hotel ballroom, and, like, Trey Flowers was just sitting there, and no one was talking to him, and I was like, hey, you remember that play against Baltimore <laughs> when you strip-sacked Joe, Sack- Joe Flacco, and they said uh, forward progress? He's like, yeah. And I was like, that ever happened to you before? He's like, nah. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, all right, man, cool. I just want to talk about that. But um, So there have been, I, I tweeted that it was the worst call ever today. There yeah. have been instances. Might have been the second worst call. It, they're all the same. I mean, yeah. the guys moving forward in this case, at least the quarterback's standing still. Just unbelievable. Right. Anyways. But, so Doug, I'm, I'm well, looking at it back. right now. I, I want to talk about the Football Zebras thing for like 15 more seconds because okay. they also wrote, the only way that forward progress is reviewable in a fumble context is if the ball comes loose as soon as there is defensive contact. So it's maybe that didn't apply here because it did. the ball well, I guess because second contact – Bentley made the first But he was still contact. moving forward. I don't know. He was still moving forward. Peppers hit him. Then the ball came out. All right. I, yeah. It's one of those this things probably... where if, if they did challenge it, they would have lost because of some stupid thing. And if McDaniel challenged Tyreek Hill's catch, he would have lost because they would have said he didn't yes. have full possession with that first down. And if Thornton's was ruled incomplete and the Patriots challenged, it would have been upheld as incomplete because they would have said he didn't have full possession with that first foot down. It's all just sort of uh, just hanging out around the margins and hoping for the best. That's what I, I want to talk about calls. one more call. And that's nice. the Jacoby Myers touchdown at the end of the okay. game. The ball hit the ground and, and like came a little loose. I okay. 100% thought that we were in for another didn't survive the ground because there was even like kind of a delay before the Patriots were able to kick the, extra there was a long, was, there like, was a long delay. I was like, this is coming. It's going to happen. Didn't survive the ground, whatever. And I, I feel like, I feel like there was like three different makeup calls all for the fumble that happened. The like the forward <laughs> progress fumble. And it was the Tyreek Hill. It was Tyquan Thornton. And it might have been that Jacoby Myers catch at the end too. Because like there wasn't the greatest replay of it, but there was one angle that the broadcast crew showed that was like, eh, that ball hit the ground and probably moved a little bit. Well, shame on me. I was mostly looking at his shoulder as he flew down from like yeah, the heavens. Got hurt. Um, so I wasn't as focused on that, but it, it's still, I don't think it was as, as egregious as the Kendrick Bourne catch last week. So if Kendrick Bourne's catch is the standard, then this was like easily a catch, but I don't know, Doug. Uh, it's, it's uh, maybe by year 80 of watching the NFL, we'll know what is what, but, but I, I did want to say I, I was transitioning to this game and the fact that, they won again, huzzah, eight wins. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't against one backup quarterback. It was against a backup quarterback and his backup. Say, yes. um, and it also required a defensive score to <laughs> revive the team from just the doldrums of circling the drain. So not like one of those rah-rah, we did it type games, no. um, but kind of in line with they have four, now four one-possession victories. And two of those had defensive scores. One had a muffed punt at the 20. One had three interceptions. I'm sorry, this now makes five. Um, so it's clearly, or four, whatever it is. The, it's still in line with they beat backup quarterbacks and they generally need defensive scores or special team scores to uh, to win close games. Yeah, I. it's still going strong where they have not beat a starting quarterback yet, right? Um, no, they beat Jared Goff. That's the one. Jared Goff, that's the one. Yep, and Who that's... Stinks but has great stats this year. Right. So that's the only one that they've done. But yeah, this last stretch of games where you lose to Kirk Cousins, you beat Colt McCoy, 
and then you lose to Derek Carr and Joe Burrow, and then you beat Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. Uh, yeah, Derek Carr. Derek Carr is actually a backup now. Well, he's, <laughs> he's not even on backup. the team. Yeah, he's, he's not present. So I don't we, know we might need to talk about Jared Stidham a little bit later. But um, yeah, that wasn't the greatest. Uh, it wasn't the greatest victory. It wasn't the most convincing victory. But it's what they needed to do to get to this point in Week 18, where now. If they beat the Buffalo Bills, they are in the playoffs. If they lose the Buffalo Bills, then they need a lot of help. I like haven't gotten to the point where I've like bothered to look into every single scenario that they get into the playoffs because I almost wish that it, that that scenario didn't happen. I feel like the only way they no, actually no, no, deserve no, to make no. the playoffs no, is to actually so beat wrong. the Buffalo Bills. You are so wrong. The the way to get in is you go to Buffalo and lose like forty to three. <laughs> <laughs> and then something happens. Now, whatever it may be, like the Dolphins have to lose to the Jets. Is that right? I so, think so. That's like possible. If the, if the Patriots lose to Buffalo and the Dolphins lose to the Jets, and then you need one more thing to happen. I think the Jaguars need have to, to beat, beat the, the Titans. Titans. And then the Patriots have a 77%. There's one more thing that I'm missing. Uh, I'm not sure what it would Steelers be. Steelers or something? Yeah, let's do Steelers uh, lose tonight. The Patriots are in. Okay. So, like, that is the funny way for this to happen is the Patriots go to Buffalo, lose by a million. Annihilated. Embarrassed. The Uh. Bills just wipe the floor with them. And then that night or whatever, the Jaguars, Titans say that's the Sunday night game. By the time people listen to this, it could be. It could be uh, outdated, but get, bear with me. And then, like, the Jaguars win at midnight and the Patriots make the playoffs. And, like, there's, like, hats and T-shirts sent to Foxborough oh like that. God. you got to have a sense of humor to enjoy that. But you are right. <laughs> if they win next week outright, head-to-head against the Bills, like, that's cool. Then you went to playoffs yeah. on a win over the, in Buffalo. Like, I mean, it, no one is going to be disillusioned into thinking there's a playoff Super Bowl run happening, but – this is my thing, and I've, I've, uh, this is a sneak preview of tomorrow morning's story. Like, I think it's, it's better to be better than worse. And the Patriots are better than worse when they do things like win this game. Yes. What do you mean? There are many timelines where the Patriots lose this game against the Dolphins. Right. And I understand no one's going to be super excited by the way things played out, by the way the team looked, uh, by the way the offense looked. By a number of things. But I think the reality that played out is better than the alternatives of what could have happened, yes. even if it doesn't change the big picture. And I, and ultimately, it's better to be interesting for as long as possible. Like, this whole week would be pretty depressing if there was no possible walking. way. Yeah, if, I mean, I'd feel even worse for Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty and everything that's going on. So I I am glad that they got to this point. It would have been nice if they had also beaten the Raiders and Bengals because that would have made this even more interesting. But what can you do? They lost those games. Um, As you mentioned, the Patriots, I thought, like, they had a lot of help on that first drive, but there were still, like, positive moments on that first drive. Then there was, what, what did you say, like five offensive drives that they did basically absolutely nothing? Um, Three and out. End of half where they let the clock run out instead of trying to score. Three and out, three and out. So four. And as Mac Jones said, could have played better in the middle of the game. Certainly the case. Uh, He also made some good throws in this game. I think that overall, it's just another one of those like incomplete performances from Mac Jones where you're still not like totally convinced of what the Patriots have there. I think the same thing could be said about the offensive play calling, everything going on on offense. But Mac Jones did make some really good throws in the end of the game. Um, and it was actually also nice to see him 
audible into that throw to Jacoby Myers at the end of the game as well, the touchdown, uh, because even David Andrews, the Patriots starting center offensive captain, said that he had no idea what was going to be happening on that play, and that's not what he was expecting. I was also very impressed by Jacoby Myers' ability to like, like he like levitated to catch that yeah. football. That was a, yeah. that was an impressive leap. He paid the price, um, but I think he he's such a heart and soul guy, and I think he was so devastated by what happened in Las Vegas that it's good to see. Like, there's certain players that do everything right and have the right story, and came from nothing, NFL speaking that when they can redeem themselves in some way, you know, there's no way to make up for throwing the ball to Chandler Jones. Big mistake. Big, big boner there out in the, out in the desert. Um, but when you can come through and not only you just make a play, but make a play where you have to hang on through contact, where you bust your shoulder up. Uh, and, yeah. You know, he was talking after the game. He's like, yeah, as far as I know, I'm good next week. They're going to have to tell me I can't play. So he'll be back out there. He's been playing hurt all year. So I think that's kind of a cool story. Um, yes. We should... There's 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 two ways I could go here. So I will say, hold on. Jeremy Myers also sometimes not the most trustworthy narrator when it comes to injuries. I feel like there's been a couple of instances already this season where he said like, "Yeah, I'm going to play," and then he doesn't. So he was ruled out in this. He was ruled questionable return, and then he was ruled out. So right. that's not good. That's never no. Good. That that wasn't good. But like, hopefully, yeah, him and Jonathan Jones are good for next week. If they aren't, then they might as well oh, just not even play that game. Yeah, Jonathan Jones is not going to play next week. He was questionable with a chest injury and got what's his name surefield running full speed into his chest and if you saw the way he went down football players don't do that he was kicking his feet he was pounding the ground he He wasn't moving his left arm either yeah i don't know what injury a chest injury you figure it's a pec you figure maybe it's like a a, like a shoulder collarbone thing whatever it was it clearly was just I, i i'm gonna just say jonathan jones is out next week which could put them down three Joneses in the secondary. Um, but maybe one or two of the other Joneses could come back. But So on the Mac Jones point, the 29-yarder to Hunter Henry in the second quarter was mm-hmm. beautiful. I mean, that was back foot. He couldn't step into it. He dropped it in yep. a bucket. It was a wobbler, but it was dropped between three defenders. Perfect pass. Henry didn't get killed. Nice play. And then the 25-yarder to Myers in the fourth quarter was just threading the needle. Just good, good quarterbacking, which you don't see much because – uh, Max constantly under pressure and things aren't really. So I think those were two of his best throws of the year. Two of his they best were. throws of the year. And I want to give him credit for that. I have given him credit for that. I think that, like I said, he's very, he was good on that first drive. He was good in the fourth quarter. Like, good Lord, though, in the middle of that game, how many deep passes did he overthrow? There was like two or three of them, right? And even the, the like, pass interference uh, that Myers drew against Keon Crossan was just thrown to the back of the end zone when he was at the five. <laughs> Yeah, I was like his touch on those deep passes. I don't know what it was, but it was just like so off in the middle yeah. of the game. Um, and that was one of his like strengths and specialties at Alabama. But I would also say that, you know, like Mac was he started off seven of nine. Then he went two of nine and then he rebounded, of course. Uh, but it was good to see him rebound again at the end of the game because like the wheels very easily could have fallen off in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. how bad the offense was. That the well, fact that he was able to rebound and like make those throws at the end of the game shows that there is t- still like resolve there. The fact that I mean he does still care. The team still does care. So overall, I feel like his his performance, even though I think his like his EPA per play on this game was negative, was probably like a net positive based on what happened when it happened. Yeah, and I made a joke when they got the ball, like, oh, you just need a clock killing 90 yard drive here to ice the game away 
because it obviously wasn't going to happen, but it started with a quick pass to uh, Kendrick Bourne, who finally touched the ball. Previously, his only spot in the stat sheet was a false start, which he was probably just like reminding the coaches that he was on the field. Um, yeah. So it was a 16-yard gain there. Then the 25-yard gain a couple plays later. Um, and then there was the obvious, <laughs> I would say, the most egregious case of pass interference of all time. Uh, by Keon Crossan against Jacoby Myers, yes. um, which I liked. I don't know if you caught this on the replay. Crossan absolutely tackled him, and they're going down, and he looks back for the ball. Like, I'm looking back, <laughs> and it was like, sorry, um, that's, that's that's not going to work. But, um, yeah, you're right. To to still stay in it and fight, I think there are some positives. Um, but I, I was going to ask you, I have two two different, like uh, Jack Frost. Jack Frost, two words diverge, diverge in the yellow wood. Speaking of I have no classes. clue whatsoever. What Snowywood. Sorry, I could not follow both. Anyways, um, I could take something I really liked in this game, mm-hmm. which is kind of out of character for us, or something that I really, 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 really didn't like in this game. Um, hmm. What do you think? Which road should I take? Um, we'll take them both, but what should I take now? Before you do, there's one more point on Mac Jones I want to make. Go. Um, the Pat, So Tyquan Thornton had a good game. Uh, his touchdown, the uh, it was like a good play design. I feel like by the Patriots, but the Dolphins also played it really bad, poorly. But then, like his other biggest catch in the game, he was like so wide open, mm-hmm. it was unbelievable. Mac Jones still almost overthrew him though, which mm-hmm. is why I'm thinking about this right now. But that play, he was so wide open. Do you think that Tyquan Thornton is so skinny that if he turns sideways, like the opposing defense? Just like can't see him anymore and totally loses track of him because that's my only explanation yes. for why he was that open on that play. Um, so something about that play, Doug, is that all the people who have for a decade said that Brady's pass to Welker was uncatchable and was a bad pass <laughs> are officially morons. As this this throw was worse, and yeah. the rookie who does not have eighty thousand million receiving yards in the NFL was able to haul it in, but um, that pass did suck. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, it was high. Uh, let's do the uh, let's do the positive. Let's go down the positive. All right. Road. So, and Mike McDaniel admitted after the game that he was basically afraid of the Patriots' ability to score on interception returns. Like he basically said that. <laughs> it's so um, wild. Which is a is a we said uh, the what what was asked last week the offense like that is an ass way of coach and that of coaching that's how you lose five games in a row and fall out of the playoffs. It's true, but. The, what I liked was the fearlessness of Jabril Peppers in the overall commitment of the run defense to prevent the Miami running backs, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, from doing anything. I think their longest run was 11 yards. Their total uh, combined runs from the running backs was 73 yards on 24 carries, which was like a 3.1-yard average. And this was a, a game plan that centered on those guys carrying them. Yep. Um, they, they did get a touchdown run from uh, Tyreek Hill, which was a sweet play. That was a really cool play. Um, but I wouldn't call that part of the running game. Right. Um, so I think that was a big part. And when you're going against a, a, a backup quarterback on the road that clearly the team he's on doesn't trust him to go win them a game, even though I yeah. think Teddy Bridgewater is better than the Dolphins treat him, um, I think that was huge. And that's, that's the big fellas up front. It's Juwan Bentley who has like – a thousand tackles this year and it's Jabril Peppers. Like I was talking to miles Bryan after the game and I was talking about Jabril Peppers. I'm like, I don't know if you even call him a safety or part of the 
defensive backfield when he's like in between the guard and tackle at the snap. Like, I don't right. know what the hell that is, but he made so many tackles just at the line of scrimmage, wrapping up. Um, and they did a good job with that and also swarming to the ball because they obviously didn't have the man, the manpower to play man uh, against Hill and Waddle all game. So they did a good job defensively stuffing the run and then giving up passes, but swarming to the ball carrier and preventing, like, you know, one of them from going for 75 yards, which I think we were all waiting for all game. Definitely. And there was some tackling issues on a Mostert play, but I think it was a catch by Raheem Mostert yeah. um, when, like, Josh Uji kind of, like, pushed him from behind. He was their for leading some receiver. Reason. Um, he was. And, like, that was extremely impressive. When you've got Tay Hayes and yes. Quandre Mosley. Mosley. I, Mosley. I don't think Mosley played. He drafted. Okay. But Hayes played a lot. But then, and then you you're starting Miles Bryant as an outside cornerback, which I mean, in this game you've got two smaller outside wide receivers in Tyreek Hill and yeah. Jalen Waddle. But still, Miles Bryant's like a four six two guy, whereas both of those guys are like four two four three guys. So like that's still a major disadvantage. But playing as much zone as the Patriots did, I'm assuming in this game, uh, because I haven't seen the coaches' film yet, but that's what it certainly looked like. Like that's how you combat that that's how you combat having a slow cornerback go up against fast wide receivers is that you play a lot of zone and that's what the dolphins also shifted to after that first drive and were able to kind of slow the patriots down so i think that they went a little bit more zone heavy as well because for some reason uh the dolphins think that they can run man coverage with a bunch of bad cornerbacks and that's why things have not gone well for them but uh when they shifted to zone they were able to defend the patriots a little bit better but yeah that was that was big that they were able to defend the run as much as they were. Uh, Dolphins haven't been fantastic as a running team so far this season, but that clearly was their game plan to not trust Teddy Bridgewater and then not trust Skylar Thompson. And the Patriots still wound up with the defensive score when Kyle Duggar, like are Kyle Duggar and Marcus Jones, like the two most electric Patriots, like other than Ramondre Stevenson, like the two most electric Patriots players with the ball in their hands at this point. Yeah. And it's like so completely different because Marcus Jones is like the fastest them ever alive. And just right. the, the, the leap and the leap over Burrow last week and like the one legged <laughs> land and like the body control to stay in was incredible. Um, this was like slow motion. Duggar wasn't, right. he never really reached, he was winded. Um, but I think he recognized that there were a lot of O linemen involved. So they like, he could just run around them yeah. and weave his way. And then once you saw, I mean, that stiff arm, I, I'm sad because Bridgewater got hurt on it. He might have broken a yeah. finger. Um, he did. But good golly, Miss Molly, that face, that, that, that stiff arm to the face mask was don't, it was a lesson not to get on the train. I mean, he had some incredible punt returns at Lenore Ryan, as yeah. we all know from uh, when they drafted him and we all said, excuse me. Uh, and hit YouTube as fast as we could. But he was also like 24 playing against 20-year-old Division Two guys. So it was yeah. like, well, who knows if that translates. But, yeah, he's got vision. He said after the game, too, he was asked like if it was a throwback to his uh, punt return days. But he said also he was a running back when he was a kid, which mm-hmm. isn't surprising. He's very athletic and skillful. So, um, yeah. yeah, that was – you're right. Like, it's not just like like Jack Jones picks six in Green Bay. You, you pick off the out and no one's right. there and you run. Uh, <laughs> they have some pretty sweet <laughs> returns. 
yeah this like required actual like serious skill and vision like you said power to stiff arm and it does make you question like why he hasn't been used as a returner because that's how we all assumed we were like oh this is gonna get good value out of this pick because he's gonna be a safety but he's also probably gonna be like punt returner or the kick returner and then i feel like bill belichick just does weird things with punt returners a lot of the time yeah. like like when he, they put Nikhil harry back there and he was like trying to catch the ball like a receiver how about they put Chris Harper back there Muhammad Sanu. Sanu. miles bryant like. earlier this season like it, it you'd think it was all about like trust about who could take care of the ball the best because that's how it used to be with julian edelman and danny amendola but since those guys have gone, it's been like it's almost been like let's put the least trustworthy guy back there. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't totally get why Duggar hasn't been back there. Now it makes sense because he's so valuable on defense. Yeah. But you would have thought at some point over the last three years that they would have tried to get the ball in his hands because he was so electric in college. But at the same time, like you said, that was as a twenty four year old going up against eighteen year old Division two college players. I wonder, and it doesn't work theory in my theory, because Miles Bryant was back there today and he was starting on defense. But there's probably, as a general, like, full-powered team strategy, a more willingness to do it with a full-time offense, offensive starter and, like, Welker, Edelman, and Amendola, mm-hmm. who wasn't necessarily a full-time starter, but because they've been on the sideline for a few minutes and, like, they're getting their drive Fair. started. True. Whereas, like, Duggar is in every play right. and is has a pretty taxing workload, perhaps – Sending yeah. him back there, like, like an athlete is always going to say, "Yeah, coach, I'll do it. I'll do whatever." Right. But realistically, like, maybe that's not the best setup. Speaking of which, something we missed: uh, Marcus Jones out of this game with a concussion. A concussion. Uh, remember last week he was down for a while on the field after a fumble recovery or whatever, and yeah. had to be helped to the sidelines. And then a few minutes later, he re- was out there to return the punt and didn't catch it. Like, we talk about the missed concussions and Tua and all that and Devontae Parker, but like. Why was he back there returning the punt that he didn't catch? Like it bounced off right. his shoulder pad. Like that's not that's not ideal. No, uh, there's still some holes there. Yeah, there's some there's definitely some serious holes there. Um, but no, I mean, so what? The Patriots now have seven defensive defensive touchdowns this season. I think the NFL record is like ten defensive touchdowns in one season. So the Patriots like probably won't get that record. But it's well, been this, Doug. unbelievable. Um, so, you know, like the game book comes out and they announce these things during the game. So the last time a team had seven defensive touchdowns was the 2002 Bucks. So that is a really like high level of competition where a team that won the Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. That's how good the defense was. Um, but also uh, there was this other thing I want to get the last time that they. Uh, oh, I missed it. I'm sorry. It was 2001 and 2003. The last time that they uh, scored this many defensive touchdowns or whatever it might be, I think five whatever uh sorry it was 2001 and 2003 the last time that they scored on defense this many times i don't have the exact number i'm sorry but the point is this is kind of a positive into a negative those were super bowl teams as well and this team is eight and eight and will not win a playoff game and it's just like it speaks to what we talked about the other day where it's like man if you had an okay offense you could probably compete for a freaking super bowl you just don't and that sucks. Like, what a waste. What a what a waste of a good defensive season. Um, you know, credit, like, we're hesitant to maybe go, like, credit Steve Belichick, Gerard Mayo, because last year had such a big dip in the middle of it. But credit right. to the defensive coaching staff um, for being so good. But then it's like, man, if the offense was just okay, 
they'd be 10, 11 wins, and there'd be a real hope that they could beat some playoff teams, but there isn't. So I tweeted during the game, I think it was probably immediately after Kyle Duggar's uh, touchdown, that uh, the Patriots' defense is so incredibly good and so incredibly wasted by offensive ineptitude. And that's how I continue to feel. But I do think it's funny that once once a tweet picks up enough traction, like enough, once enough people see it, like someone is going to disagree with it just because like it's it's my favorite thing about Twitter and also like the absolute most frustrating thing about Twitter. So one person uh, did say that uh, stop at this defense has failed to stop any elite quarterbacks plus Kirk Cousins, which to that I say like I think a defense can be incredible even if they have struggled against Josh Allen or like even if right. they – had a bad first half against Joe Burrow. Like we just watched the 49ers defense or I did at least, which like everyone would say is incredibly good struggle against Jarrett Stidham. I just think like, like a defense or any unit is not going to be perfect on every single play. But then I also actually got the opposite reply as well, defending the offense and saying like, Hey, the season's not over yet. Like <laughs> let's calm down on, on trashing the Patriots offense. Like they, they could still make the playoffs. Then who knows what happens? Like, I feel like that's like the perfect example of how like, no one can agree on anything on Twitter because there was actually a human being out there defending the Patriots offense and saying that they're not incredibly inept. Yeah, no, um, that is typically what happens on the Twitter. Um, just to correct myself, they have five interception returns for a touchdown, for yep. a touchdown, which the Patriots did in 01 and 03, both okay. of which they won the Super Bowl. Um, and then and they've then, also you know, had two know. fumble returns for touchdowns. Oh, yeah, oh I want to read the tweet. Uh, and they're still in the hunt for a playoff spot. Don't knock them until they're out of it. Spanky. He called me Spanky. Maybe he's Spanky. Maybe he was signing. <laughs> Maybe it. He's signing off. <laughs> spanky. Maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I, I think that's ultimately uh, that where, where that conversation goes. But can I get to the thing I really, really didn't like? Yes. Fourth quarter. 2.34 left in the game. Patriots leading by nine. Fourth down and four at the Miami 29. A field goal from there is 47 yeah. yards. A punt, theoretically, I mean, Michael Pilardi stinks. But, we need to talk about that. But maybe a Mac Jones shotgun punt gets the ball inside the 20. Literally any offensive play outside of the one they ran, has a chance to convert the fourth down. But instead, they run this play that looks like the Little Giants. It's the second time I've referenced Little Giants on this podcast, <laughs> where everyone slides right on the snap. Jones is like off on like a sprint to his right, like a high school play. Uh, I think it was Nelson Aguilar was on the left side. He was blocking and then was going to loop out left, but the Dolphin was on him there. I have no idea what the hell was going on downfield. Everyone broke through the line because they weren't blocking. They were running right. Yeah. It looked like a play you run when you got to kill like seven seconds off the clock. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. It looked like a play where like he the intention was to get sacked. Or throw it away. Right. Like if there's seven seconds left in the game, you run right for five yeah. seconds and throw it out of bounds and then the game's over. Instead, that was their fourth and fourth play. And after the game, Bill Belichick was in a fine mood but got real snippy about that one when Mike Reese asked, um, did you get the play that you wanted? And he said, did we get the play that we wanted? He was like, 
Maurice was like, yeah. And like the implication was like, <laughs> it looked like a clown show. Um, but he said, yeah, we got the play that we wanted. And then Reese asked, like, why not kick? Or he was like, it was a long kick. He did miss a PAT, Nick Folk, but he also hit a 49-yarder. Yeah. Granted to the other end, which has been the harder end lately. Um, and the fear of missing a field goal is you give up the eight yards of the snap. But what did they do? Doug, they lost 10 yards on a sack on the worst play ever designed. So, like, that play, and it's it's one of those things. They win the game. You don't want to sit there and harp on it. But these are not things that functional, competitive, contending teams do. Yeah. I, the really weird thing about the Patriots this season, I think I've mentioned this before, is like when you want them to be aggressive, they aren't. On like fourth and one, they'll like punt the ball or kick a field goal or they'll like be as conservative as humanly possible. And then on the times that, it would make way more sense for them to just be conservative and either like punt the ball, try to field goal, do a normal play. Like they, they're more aggressive. And I mean, that play was like splitting it down the middle where I, I, I legitimately have no idea what their intention was on that play. It, like you said, it looked like they just wanted to drain clock by having Mac Jones roll out, but you don't voluntarily lose 10 yards on that play. And Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that any other play there, I don't think it even gets to the onside kick at that point. Like if they kick the field goal or if they punt or anything else, like it didn't need to be as close as it got there at the end where like I legitimately thought at the end of the game that the Dolphins were going to recover the onside kick just because every single game at the end has been so bizarre for the Patriots. I still can't believe they didn't recover it. Yeah, Dolphins march down the field and get a, a touchdown, and then like you leave it up to chance on the onside kick. There, I don't know. I, I it's it, that's another one of those times where you wish that there was some truth serum that you could give someone on Foxborough and be like, "What the hell was the intention on that play? What were you trying to do there?" Uh, the other sequence I really liked: um, fourth and one, Miami goes to the line, absolute pandemonium. <laughs> yes. They call timeout. They come out of the timeout. False start on Mostert, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Fourth and six. Miami punts. Brennan Schooler runs into the kicker. Five-yard penalty. Fourth and one. Dolphins convert. Uh, I just felt like that was uh, a fun little part of the story. I mean, if if the Patriots lose, we probably look at that and say, what in the hell was going on there? Because that was a Dolphins touchdown drive, if I'm not mistaken. I believe uh, so, yeah. so, so that was that was a fun little... Another one of those moments was Kendrick Bourne, once again, barely played in this game, came in when Nelson Aguilar got banged up for a little bit. But like, I think it was maybe not his first offensive snap, but one of his first offensive snaps, false start, not great. But late in the game, as you mentioned before, he's out there kind of making some plays happen. I was shocked that after his game last week, that like we're still playing this game with Kendrick Bourne, like whoever it is, Matt Patricia or um troy brown or bill belichick or ross douglas like whoever's in charge of kendrick Bourne snaps like like why are we still playing this game with kendrick Bourne? he's undoubtedly one of the best offensive playmakers on this team like why is nelson aguilar getting snaps over him i guess now i can see why taekwon thornton is because at least he was making some plays out there but like there's really no logic to not having kendrick Bourne on the field I, I like I know that people could point and be like, well, he got a false start when he was out there, but like who effing cares? <laughs> like yeah. the the positive far outweighs like the, the false start that he could have out there. 
if I could, I would like to welcome you to the month of September. Welcome, Doug. <laughs> it is September. We don't know why Kendrick Bourne isn't playing. I know. Um, it's just still You're right. After last week where it was like evident, like he can help the team. It's right. evident that the quarterback likes going to him. Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. And then I would add to that, too, with Jonu Smith out. Like there's a need for underneath receivers to, to run yeah. short crossers that can go and take off and turn into a big gain. So uh, that... I guess it is a little bit more egregious this week after last week. It's it's one of those things where it's like playing with a hand tied behind your back. I don't fully grasp the logic behind it. Um, but uh, don't give up on them yet, Doug. The season's not over, Slappy. <laughs> it could still could still uh, next week is Kendrick Bourne's time to shine. They're they're finally gonna give him that full slave snaps. He's gonna have another hundred yard game out there. We um, now get to our sponsor, the twenty twenty two U.S. Open. At the Country Club in Brookline. Um, there we go. Uh, you can go to ThriveFantasy.com and use promo code Doug, and they'll match your deposit up to $100. So go to ThriveFantasy.com, promo code Doug. Uh, make sure to do that right now. I want to talk about Michael Polardi. I think that if there's like, – Wait, I have one there, quick question for you. Yeah. Because I was there, and sometimes you miss things. Uh, the right tackle that got hurt for Miami, was that a result of Christian Barmore just absolutely bullying him backwards for 10 yards? He got carted off. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know exactly what happened. Sack. On that play. Carl Davis and Dietrich Wise split. A that sack. was that play. I watched. I actually just rewatched that play too. The Patriots had a three-man rush. And they all was, got there. They all got all there. All got there. Like like Carl Davis beat like a triple team. On he was that, just standing around play. waiting, and then yeah. Wise came around with like sort of an edge rush that forced the quarterback forward. Right. Which Davis was like, okay. Right, yeah, because that's... like Carl Davis was like five yards in the backfield at that point. But yeah. like, yeah, you've got a three-man rush with three <laughs> with two guys who are three hundred plus pounds, a third guy who's like two eighty. Like you expect on a, like a three-man rush, like maybe like Josh Uche can like sprint around someone or something. Yeah, but yeah. like, no. it's just like pure power beating yeah. five or six blockers on that play. Like that was that was a wild sack. Like that that play out of any play. What they only had two sacks in this game, right? It was the Christian Barmore got a sack, and then there was that split sack. It's sure. it's just so funny that that's the play that they got home and got a sack on the three man yeah. rush with like two defensive tackles and a big Ooh. defensive end. They changed it; no longer a split, just Carl Davis. But uh, just Carl yeah, Davis, right. he deserved it. Yeah, he did. Um, Anyways, Michael Pilardi. If there if there's like any evidence or the best case that Bill Belichick has like given up on the season doesn't care anymore, um, like knows that this is a lost cause. Like Michael Pilardi, he's he's now been the punter for I don't know how many games, five, six games, something like that at this point. He's like Jake Jake Bailey previously was the worst punter in the NFL. Uh, I don't – it's probably the injury, whatever it is that's bothering him. Last two years he hasn't been himself. This season he was especially bad. Michael Pilardi, like if there's a worse punter than Jake Bailey this season, it's Michael Pilardi. He dropped a football in recent weeks, um, uh-huh. and then yeah, he did. And then this this week, it's either a thirty-seven yard punt or he's booting it way too far, and it's a touchback. Like I know that Ryan Allen has been out of the NFL now for like three seasons, but I like there's 
since I have been covering or paying close attention to this team, there has never been this egregiously bad of punting where you cannot trust the punter to get the ball far enough. And if he does get the ball far enough, that it does not get pinned within the 20-yard line. I have no faith whatsoever when Michael Plardy is out there that something good is going to happen once the ball comes off his foot. I do not understand why they have not tried to find someone better than this over the last six games. And I don't think there's really an excuse for it. That was the most impassioned Michael Pilardi rant in the history of mankind. But it's it's right because so Pilardi ranks dead last among qualified punters with a 42.7 yard average. He does. So he's dead last. Uh, he and today he comes out. The ball's at the Miami 45 touchback. Did get the average up, but you got a touchback. Doesn't it hurts the net? His next punt went 37 yards to the Miami 24 yard line. Not a professional punt. His next one went 34 yards to the Miami 37-yard line, Doug. That is such an ass punt, it's not even funny. And then his fourth one, which was the worst one, out of the end zone, yes. 38 yards to the Miami 49. You get a 10-yard return. The Dolphins score on the short field. It compounds your bad offense when you can't even get some field flipping. Like, that was how, how uh, excuse me, Jake Bailey proved himself so valuable in 2020 was, yeah, you might go three and out with a sack on third down and you're at your own 12. But the opponent's taken over at their own 18 because you have a a professional punter. And he did, uh, credit where credit's due, get the average up on the day. His final punt was an absolute freaking boomer, 58 yards. Yeah, but it was a touchback. Into the end. Into the end. Yeah. Got the 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 average up. The net is still, what, 35 yards, 36, 38 yards? Like... So it's basically just like, who cares? Like, yeah, cool. You booted the ball really far. But I feel like that happens every week where, like, you see Matthew Slater and Brennan School are, like, trying their damnedest, like, sprinting down the field as far as possible, as well, fast as possible. Though, no, to be fair, Slater had that one in uh, Vegas. Or, <laughs> True, no, there was Arizona, the one. Where, where, where he yeah, stepped Arizona, the line and it was like, what? It was like, what the hell happened? Even he's forgotten. I, I I blame Michael Plardy for that. It's not my that yeah. can't be Matthew Slater's fault. It has to be Michael right. Plardy's fault. Years um, of evidence shows that's true. But yeah, like it feels like every week there's a punt that just goes like a little bit too far that doesn't have the hang time that they're expecting from a professional punt. And I I don't know. I mean, it's a good I guess point that they're hoping because- that Jake Bailey's coming back at some point. He's been at practice, but like. Like even Jake Bailey at like fifty percent, I feel like is still better than Michael Plardy right now. I, I feel yeah. bad for like I don't think Michael Plardy's listening to this. I hope Michael Plardy's not listening to this. You I hope his know. family isn't listening to this. I hope they don't have this type of time on their Doug, hands. It's the freaking NFL. Like if you yeah. can't punt as a punter, I don't know what we're talking about. And to your point, like I don't think Bill Belichick has given up, like you said, but he obviously values special teams quite a bit. And if you ask him to talk about Johnny Hecker or whoever. He'll do it for 25 minutes. So he knows that the position can be valuable. He had an all-pro punter three years ago. It's uh, it's hard to ignore. And, and like you don't talk about punting as a strength, but punting has been a strength for like 90% of Bill, Bill Belichick's seasons in New England. Like there was a couple years where maybe I remember they had Todd Sauerbrunn come in because their punter got hurt. Like right. punting maybe took a dip that year. But for the most part, like they replaced uh, uh, when they got Zoltan in, that, that replaced did that replace i'm already blanking but everyone was like oh it was a budget move nope zoltan was a better kicker and then when they replaced zoltan with ryan allen ryan allen was a better kicker and then when they replaced ryan allen with jake bailey for a year he was a better punter so i think you know it it has been a skill to identify that but this has gone on quite long it's uh it's not 
it's not good. And if we were talking about playoff games and stuff, this would be something that we would point at as something where they could lose a game when you punted 38 yards to midfield. I mean, it could be. I don't think that next week's game is going to be close between the Patriots and the Bills. It doesn't help that that game is in Buffalo. But, like, it's something that could affect their ability to make the playoffs. And, like, it's it's just unbelievable. It's it's so out of character for Bill Belichick to not care that he has the NFL's worst punter and it's not the guy that he gave the massive contract to that he had no choice but to keep Oof, playing. It's a that. guy off the street when there are – a lot of other punters on the street that he could bring off the street into Foxborough and like try them out or do something because oh like this God. has gone on for far too long at this point. Doug, it as a team dead last in punting average at 42.4 and dead last in net at 38.4. So they're worse in both. And now this one stood out too. This is like the most intense punt talk you'll ever get uh, on the New England <laughs> Patriots. So they rank, uh, let me see, 32, 31, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 25. They, they rank 21st, tied for 21st in punts inside the 20, okay? But they also have the most touchbacks in the NFL. And that's despite, I can't, I can't rank them, the teams, by number of punts. It doesn't let me. But they're, like, not near the top of most punts in the league, if you can believe that. So they have the most touchbacks. They're not near the most uh, punts. And they're 19th on punts inside the 20. So it's just all around a, a big weakness um, for – a team that needs a good punt game. That's the reason the 2020 team won seven games instead of four. It's because their punt team and coverage and everything kicked ass. This team might have won nine or ten games if they had even yeah. a relatively decent punter. I think this punt talk has probably gone on too long. Oh, I, I enjoyed it, I tell it, you what, was, what snuck up good. on me? You know what, what snuck up on me today? Uh, like the whole post game becoming about McCordy and Slater? That wasn't really on my yeah. mind. Yeah. And then it was I, sort of the whole thing. And then they kind of leaned into it too, I felt like a little bit, uh, especially yeah. Devin McCourty saying that, you know, he's going to spend some time with the family after the game and everything. Like, I guess, like, for them, I don't know. Like, I said before that I feel bad for them. Like, I don't know if they really need to stick around for one more season. Like, but at the same time, like, you've, because, like, I, I don't know. Could Devin McCourty play another season? He probably could, right? He could. I don't, I mean, aside from the ball, I mean, good Lord, that was a bad drop. Uh, he's got a couple of those this year. And you talked about his play in the end zone a couple weeks ago as well. Um, Last week, yeah, sorry. Um, So maybe there's some decline there, but physically, like, his legs and his body are still as good as ever. So he could definitely do it. I just don't, like, at this point, you wouldn't want to play for another team, right? Like, you wouldn't want to spend, what, 14 seasons, whatever it is, 13, however many he's been with the Patriots, and then be like, I'm going to play with the Giants next season. I don't know, that'd just be kind of weird. Maybe the Giants kick a lot of ass. I really like the Giants. They're pretty sweet. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, there's no, like, going home. Uh, is he a Giants? Does he grow up a Giants fan from New Jersey? I don't know. Right. I, I don't know that that would happen. But um, what I learned, like, from Tom Brady, like, there's no storybook ending, even in, like, the most successful lo- for football location in the world. Like, Tom Brady's final game at Gillette was a pick six playoff loss against the Titans. That was kind of a game they – never really fought to be in or they yeah. just that that ended uh, so the greatest career of all time ended with the fizzle teddy bruce he had to retire in training camp troy brown like no one remembers his last game right. kevin falk no one remembers his like all these patriots legends so yeah. i guess that wasn't really something i was like oh wouldn't it be magical if if matt slater down to punt on the one and mccody had a pick six to end it like it, it just wasn't on my mind but um right 
I thought it was pretty cool uh, hearing everyone talk about them because it's 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 funny. Like Slater was drafted in 08 and mm-hmm. McCordy was drafted in 10. For someone like me who still thinks it's 2014, that wasn't that long ago. But for these guys, like Tyquan Thornton's, what, 21 years old? That's, you know, a large portion of his life. So I think it's cool the, the respect that they have um, for Bill Belichick to go on the long spiel at the end of his press conference. Mm-hmm. I think it says a lot, and everyone knows that. But I guess uh, it's it's not like a magical ending. It was like a eking out a win by two points over Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins. Can you imagine, because I, I think I tweeted about this earlier this season, like if you didn't know the years that Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty were drafted, and if you were a fan of like the Steelers or like the Colts or something that have been facing the Patriots for all these years, like can you imagine how long you would think that Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty <laughs> have been in the NFL at this point? Like, like I, some of the responses that I got, because I was like, like you can't respond to this if you're a Patriots fan. How long do you think Devin McCourty's been in the NFL? And people were like 30 years, yeah. like, like 20 years, like 25 yeah. years, because like he's played in so many games too so many nationally televised games they made the playoffs every single season and he's been a star on the team he's been a captain on the team like yeah like if you don't know exactly how long he's been playing it must feel like forever for someone who's not a patriots fan it's true and the fact that he doesn't miss games let alone snaps like the guys he's he's on the field every play oh yeah for that entire time like has he missed a game he's missed like three games in his career so um you're right like all those sunday night football games it's like Yes. Tom Brady, Devin McCourty, and then everyone else. And then I think it also helps a little bit that Jason McCourty also entered the NFL a year earlier too. So like I feel like that maybe gets tacked onto it as well from like an outside perspective. Um, did you get to watch any of Jared Stidham today? No, I listened on the ra- There's this show. Uh, it's on AM radio, and I listen to it when I come home from 1 p.m. Patriots games at like 7 o'clock. And it's just two guys in a sports book in Vegas just like – it's like red zone for radio, but they're not like traditional play by play. They're just like gamblers who are like live betting and doing all this stuff. And like the sports book crowd is screaming. It's awesome. Um, so I was following that. Uh, and then they went to commercial on the Niners drive at the end of the fourth quarter, which I thought was funny, but no, I was just listening. Uh, so I didn't get to actually see with my eyes. Um, he, he was good today. He played well. Um, he, he made the, the correct approach of, just like throwing it at Devontae Adams like yeah. one third of the time mm-hmm. that he was driving back. Is it concerning at all to you? At all, like even a tiny little bit, that Jared Stidham has now played a better football game this season than Mac Jones has? No. No, okay. I mean, right. I don't right. know what kind of preparation the Niners put into Stidham. They clearly overlooked him. Uh, yeah. Maybe there was like a, a, a lackadaisical week in the meeting rooms. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not going to put too much stock. You see it all the time. One guy like flashes for a week. It is funny. A- yeah. I tweeted that earlier as well. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm on top of all your thoughts. I've already tweeted about all of them. But this season, <laughs> this season, there's just been a like there's perpetually one backup quarterback who's really good this year. It went from. Cooper Rush to Bailey Zappi to PJ Walker to Taylor Heineke to Mike White. And now like Brock Purdy and Jared said, they like kind of shared the spotlight today in the same game. Um, so one of those guys, like I think Brock Purdy now has to slow down. Jared Sidham has to be back on the rise. Uh, but no, I don't know. I mean, I, I was surprised. I would say that Jared Stidham played as well as he did because he, as we mentioned before in 2020, Patriots had ample opportunity yeah. 
to turn to Jared Stidham at any point that season. He started off the year as the third stringer, didn't start against the Chiefs, and then Bill Belichick made it a habit of saying Cam's our quarterback anytime that someone brought up the possibility that Jared Stidham might play. Um, then he basically he was out last year with an injury, traded before whenever this year. I don't know. They obviously just like gave up on him. But Josh McDaniel still believes in Jared Stidham, and he went 23 of 34 for 365 yards with three touchdowns and two interceptions. There was a back-breaking interception there in overtime that caused the Raiders to lose, but he still looked pretty good out there. Um, and I don't think it's a concern. I think that if Mac Jones had Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Josh McDaniels, he would probably look as good as Jared Stidham did this week. But it was interesting. Probably. Um, you know what's funny? While you're talking about that in Cam Newton, in the Buffalo Bills game coming up, the only time outside of the Cyclone last year in Buffalo that the Patriots had a chance to beat the Bills, really, uh, in the last three years, post-Tom Brady, was when Cam Newton was driving for the winning score but then fumbled on the sideline. Remember oh, that? Man. That was like – it wasn't like that. a bad pass. It was Cam fumbling, holding the ball out. So, uh, you know, going into next week, if Mac can just play like 2020 Cam, except for the fumble – Maybe the, they lost that game by three points. They were they had the they had the game tying field goal in line and the game winning touchdown and then Cam fumbled. So uh, that that is kind of I don't know if you count that as a non sequitur, but it came to mind when you mentioned Cam and I was thinking about the Bills next week. I I mean I don't have the recall that you do on all these games. I do remember that, of course. For the last like three years, like everything has broken the opposite way of the Patriots. Like, like that game, it was just like, how did they lose that game? Like at the time, like that was just not a game that the Patriots ever would have lost before and they lose it. And then that's just seems to have happened like countless times over the last three years where the Patriots are just finally getting paid back for everything, breaking their way for 20 years, I guess. I don't know. Fair enough. That's um, fair. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? I think we've gone through all of my notes that I had to talk about heading into today's show yeah no mine stidham my uh my notes are pretty uh uh messy so they're they're hard to navigate oh you mentioned stidham what can we mention another former patriots quarterback real quick uh yeah what did uh what did garrett gilbert or not that's a he's a current he's a current patriots quarterback um what did uh jimmy g uh, is out still uh brissette i don't believe kevin o'connell lost in embarrassing fashion yes he did uh jacoby brissette is uh the backup in cleveland i just you're talking about one thomas edward brady yeah and i missed the game i was following it on twitter obviously while watching the patriots and like i just saw all the deep balls to evans and it's like the man like we are sick of hearing it like 45 years old 432 yards and three touchdowns like do you know what the history against a pretty good defense too yeah, I mean, it's the Panthers, so no one's going to go too crazy about it right. overall. And they're like 8-8, eight and eight and they suck, and they, they've been a drain on our lives this whole season. But the history of the NFL, 45-year-old quarterbacks, prior to Tom Brady, George Blanda went 5 for 15 in his age 45 <laughs> season for 77 yards and one touchdown. That's literally one drive of Tom yeah. Brady. And the fact that Brady did this not in September, when he's fresh, when he's right. loose, but... On New Year's Day in the 16th game of his age 45 season, I just think like, yeah, we're kind of all over the whole thing, which is like what happens. But that takes a, that requires a moment to just sort of say like, damn, like the 45 year old in week 17 just threw for 432 yards, which is tied for his fifth highest single game total ever. 
Um, and he rushed for a touchdown too. Like wow. it was badass. And I think even if you've hated Tom Brady for the last three years because he left and all that stuff, like that has to be one you got to be like tip the cap to the old man. Like if that's if that's the the only accomplishment of this season, and he's also second in league in pass yards, which is behind only Mahomes, which is kind of something. That's pretty wild. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Well, all they do is pass. How he's played. Like, they right. don't run the ball, so it's not that. But just physically to be able to do that, I think is so. I think that's a that's a tip your hat, uh, cherry type moment for Tom Brady's age forty five season. Made the playoffs, playing the Falcons next week. I thought it was fine heading into that game. Everyone was like, "Oh, Mike Evans needs like like fifty yards to get a <laughs> thousand yards for the ninth consecutive season." I was like, "Oh, we can do you one better." He yeah. doubled his touchdowns on the season in one game. He entered the game with like nine hundred and fifty yards and three touchdowns, and he had two hundred yards and three touchdowns um, yeah. in this game. So, yeah, Tom Brady still got it. Uh, curious to see what the Buccaneers are able to do in the playoffs. I don't think they'll be able to do much because that team like stinks out loud, other than Tom Brady um, yeah. and some of the other pieces. But who knows? You got touchdown Tom back there. Never kind of. I'm not buying that this year because, like, even then, like, oh, if they got the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, it's like, yeah, well, Todd Bowles. So, you know, there's there's yeah. a yin and a yang. And even Byron so. Leftwich. God, you got to feel bad. Like, I guess you don't have to feel bad for Byron Leftwich because, like, this was like he's suffering from his own consequences. But, like, like last year, it's like Byron Leftwich, or like the last two years, hot head coaching candidate, like interviewing places, next head coach, wherever. And they're like, this season just really exposed Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich uh, pretty poorly, I feel like. Pretty badly. Yeah. They also don't have an offensive line, which, um, again, we do. We didn't do any right. offensive line talk today, so good for us. Yeah, I didn't really pay that much attention. Like, no centers uh, ran 15 yards for no reason. Um, Trent Brown had a final, final play. He did. He had a cool outfit coming into the game, too. Um, oh, oh, oh. One quick thing. Um that I think really sums up the state of the Patriots. Did you catch this on Friday, Bill Belichick's press conference? He was asked, you know, what what Connor McDermott's been like since he's been here. And Bill Belichick said, thank God we have him. He said, thank thank God we have him. Now, if you need a better picture of the 2022 Patriots, it is the head coach in week 17 saying, thank God we have Connor McDermott, a former pick that got cut, practice squad, Jets signed off the practice squad, starting the whole second half of the year thank god we have conor mcdermott and that's not at all a knock on conor mcdermott it is a a just state of the patriots for the coach to be thanking the heavens above (laughs) to have him that's not good uh for the overall health and status of the o-line and the offense as a whole it's not uh are you a numbers guy at all for players yeah 75 really solid offensive tackle number like maybe maybe like a little bit good he does, but it's like it might be a little bit too good of a number for Connor McDermott. Um, but uh, thank, thank, you know what? Thank he God. deserves it because thank God the Patriots have Connor McDermott. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. During the yeah. time of these holidays, Bill Belichick is most thankful. He's got Connor McDermott holding down the <laughs> fort at right tackle there. Yep. Yep. Well, Doug, I think we're rounding third. We are. Um, so. Let's do we do we do we want a Bills victory or loss in Cincinnati to to drive this week? Because if they lose, they might not believe they can get the one seed. They might have to stretch. But I think no matter what, even if everything was wrapped up, the Bills wouldn't lay down for the Patriots because of the 20 years of pain inflicted by that helmet. I think 
I think you want a loss. A Bills I think loss. you want them to lose the Bengals because it's kind of amazing that the Bills are twelve and three because I feel like there's like a, a pretty long stretch there in the middle of the season where like they seemed very beatable or like they, they just did enough flawed. to win. They just kind yeah, of but, hung in there. <laughs> Right, it's like the opposite of the the Bears, where like you <laughs> you informed me last week that they had three wins. I was like, "Good lord, I had no idea." I, like, I, oh, and they I, got blown out. They did, and but yeah. Justin Fields still had that one long run that made yes. everyone think that they were Twitter. better than they are. Fields, yep. The, um, but the, the Bills are the opposite. Where I knew that I knew they had a good record, but like like in my head, I thought that they were worse than that. Um, I think they could be like brought down to earth a little bit, doubt themselves, get blown out by the Bengals this week, something like that. Then, like, who knows what happens with the Patriots? I also think that if they look bad tomorrow night, then like maybe there's a little bit more intrigue for this game. I don't know. Well, I would say if they lose this game and they're a game behind Kansas City, and Kansas City has Vegas next week, um, there's like maybe you can get ahead of them by halftime right. and then they have to be like well we're down two scores True. we're down by 10 it's time to think about next week i don't know right. we'll talk about that later this week but that's we that's something to look for on monday after <laughs> the vibes of sunday's win drive everyone to ecstasy on monday it'll keep you buzzing all day it's true. All right. Well, uh, follow Mike on Twitter at Michael F. Hurley. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide. Go to thrivefancy.com. Put in promo code Doug. They'll match your deposit. Um, and we will be back with you Thanks. Thanks to on the US Open. Friday. Cool. All right. Talk to you guys All later. Right. Bye. Bye.